0: This is season two of My Only Story. It's a co production of the My Only Story nonprofit company and News 24. Here's executive producer Alison Pope.
1: If you'd like to donate towards our work, please visit our website at myonlystory.org. You can support us in other ways by reviewing, liking, and sharing the podcast and helping to spread the word. You can also engage with us on our social platforms or message us confidentially on 071-382-7030. We'd love to hear from you.
0: This is a trigger warning. If you are a survivor of abuse, or if you know the people involved in the story, this podcast could be hard to listen to. It also discusses suicide and suicidal ideation, which some people might find troubling. If anything comes up for you while listening to this episode, please find someone to talk to at
2: We're allowed to take the boys out for if it's a special occasion during the week. We arrive in Grahamstown early.
0: It has just turned autumn in Grahamstown, 18
2: March, 2018.
0: Shark Kruger has made dinner reservations for his son Tom's 16th and final birthday.
2: I say to Thomas, your birthday, what would you like to do until we've got to get to the restaurant for our reservation? He said, Dad, I'd really love to take you guys and and show you this place outside Grahamstown. We drive up the end to back towards Port Elizabeth, take a left just before Death Bend, head up onto the mountain behind Grahamstown. It's a windy dirt road. I think to myself, this is pretty far, I wonder how he found this place. We arrive there, we walk down the hill to this rock that overhangs the cliff. It's a magnificent sight, the most magnificent views. As we're walking back up the hill, I say to Tom, how did you find this place? He says to me, Dad, this is mine and Mr. favourite place. At that point in time, I did think to myself, what is a master doing taking my child, 17-odd k's outside Grahamstown, to Pride Rock? That's where I started to think, what the hell's going on here? I'm starting to have a horrible suspicion.
0: I'm Dion Wiggett, and this is My Only Story, a podcast, a live investigation. Last summer, I am sitting on my stoop and I am staring at papers and remnants from the final four years of Tom Kruger's life, the period from 2015 to 2018. Last time we spoke plenty about those years, 2015 when Tom gets a scholarship to go to St. Andrew's College and 2018 when Thomas hangs himself just minutes away from his dorm, Espenhouse. But why why kill yourself in the first place and then why kill yourself in this place and at this time and in this way what happened in the time between 2015 and 2018 that made thomas decide on the time and place of his death by september 2021 i have no doubt that thomas killed himself deliberately but that does not mean he did it randomly to me It looks like someone was messing with the boy's head. I have someone in mind, and I will need to ask this person some questions. But first, I must find him. I need to track down the man who, for the moment, I am calling Kenny. The stoop, for all its charm, is a long way away from the scene of the tragedy. I will have to leave my safe and socially distant perch and, as yet unvaccinated, get up close and personal in Port Elizabeth and Grahamstown. To get to Grahamstown from Johannesburg, you face a thousand-kilometre drive to the coast. It will take you all day, and the scenery is largely dry and charmless. Of course, if you have the money to send your son to St. Andrews, but not quite enough for your own jet... Ladies and
3: gentlemen, property uh,
0: the... is probably fly into the closest major city.
3: Force, the port of uh, the of the city.
0: I've driven down and flown down. Flying is better. Expected flight time: one hour minutes. Okay. all the way down to PE, as well as clear skies for the landing. The pilot, with a beautiful voice, tactfully leaves out that it will be windy upon leaving the aircraft. The tourism videos never mention that PE is called the Windy City. Locals hate it. They call PE the friendly city. And it is a really friendly place. Some of the loveliest people you'd ever meet. At least I think so. Often you can't hear them over the wind.
3: What thank you? Turn right onto N2 towards Grahamstown.
0: Earlier this year, together with producers Alison Pope and Noctula Magnati. I drive for 90 minutes to get from Port Elizabeth to Grahamstown. Hello, how's it going? Hi, you? Very well, thank Hi. you. We're driving around Grahamstown looking for the water polo pool and for the entrance to the St Andrews campus. Yeah, so
3: I've just carry on down this road. Awesome. So all the way to the other end, and then it's right there. Okay. Perfect. Thank
0: you so much, hey. Now we understand why we couldn't find the entrance. There isn't one you're on the right street so just in school, the wrong right. <laughs> Okay awesome. this is the first deeply unusual point about the St Andrews campus it doesn't have an entrance because it isn't enclosed rather the school is so much part of Grahamstown that any resident nipping out for a coffee could drive right through the middle of a high school with classrooms and dormitories and sports fields to your left and to your right I understand that my tour of the St. Andrew's campus could fill you with jealousy or desire. In that case, a spot of Google Earth will do you a world of good. Get out that phone or tablet and in Google Earth type St. Andrew's College with an apostrophe S-YES and then tap with care. You want to avoid the namesakes in Scotland and Australia and select St. Andrew's College on Somerset Street, Grahamstown or Macanda. Just to the right of where the red pen lands you'll notice Somerset Street. Somerset Street is a steep affair and it runs north to south right through the middle of the St. Andrews campus. Let us head north, up the hill. On our left, we can see the Headmaster's office in the admin block, some classrooms and two dorms. First, Armstrong House, and then beyond it, Espen House, where Tom Kruger lived until 2018. But we must tear ourselves away from the view on the left, for there are greater attractions still to be found on our right. Opposite the headmaster's office, we see sought-after upper house, and then, cameras at the ready, the splendid Anglican chapel designed by Sir Herbert Baker, and beyond it the historic clock tower, and the grave of the school's founder. By now we have reached the steep road stop where there's a roundabout, you know, a traffic circle, and just above it, the sparkling water polo pool. As traffic circles go, it's a charming one, with a landscaped centre of succulents and rocks. This roundabout and the polo pool just above it form the northern edges of a campus against a hill. To anchor our navigation, let us hold on to this roundabout. At the 6 o'clock position is Steep Somerset Street. At the 12 o'clock position, there's the Polo Pool. At 9 o'clock, you can just about see Espen House, tucked as it is behind a row of ancient trees. And between Espen at 9 and the Polo Pool at 12, in the 11 o'clock position, say, is quite a depressing little two-story building. It is the sanatorium in which Thomas spent his last night. On the St. Andrew's campus earlier this year I walk a couple of minutes from the succulent roundabout to snoop around Espen House. I am on the hunt for the man I'm briefly calling Kenny. You see, not so long ago, Kenny was no stranger around these parts. On my walk from the succulent roundabout to Espen House, I picture the scene in January 2016. Thomas Kruger's parents drop him off at Espen House on the first day of the rest of his life. Their boy is now in the safe and caring arms of a school like
2: no other. I hadn't been to boarding school myself, so there was concern that the boys were going to boarding school. You have your beautiful children for such a short space of time. We are so close to our kids. To drop your kids off, is quite an ordeal. It's a dreadful, empty feeling to drive away, leaving them and entrusting them into the hands of people that you literally don't know. But not for one minute did I ever fear for their safety. I'd heard how safe it is in Grahamstown.
0: For those first two weeks, they're
2: not allowed any phones, am I right? 100% correct. There's no communication allowed between the grade eights and their parents. This is explained to us as a way of getting the boys to settle in, get over their potential homesickness, and adjust to this new environment. It 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 still to this day strikes fear in me. It's you know I just it was the most terrible feeling not having access to news from Tom, what it was going on. How I was enjoying it, whether or not he was homesick. We see Tom. On the third weekend, we go through to Grahamstown. He seems to be homesick to a certain extent, but also seems to be enjoying himself. Has made amazing new friends within a short space of time. You know, obviously, when you are living in each other's pockets 24 hours a day, there's a lot of fun going on, but there certainly is an element of of homesickness, which I think would be normal, you know? I mean, I know I would have felt the same. In a restaurant in
0: Grahamstown, On that first weekend reunion between parents and son, Charles is not surprised to hear what Thomas tells him next. Tom believes he has found his niche at college already. See, from the time that Tom was a little boy,
2: he was mad about the water. I think the only time I disciplined Tom with a smack on his bum (laughs) was when he tried to climb over our pool fence at the age of three to jump into a pool. I'd always said I would only ever smack a child if it was a life, something life-threatening. Um, so he did get a cluck for that. Um, but we, Tom and I swam for hours and hours and hours on end. Libby and I both attended swimming lessons with him. Libby is Charles' wife and Tom's mother. He swam very well. So from then on, it just developed. The first time he starts water polo is at junior school, and he excels in it. He actually makes the EP side. The EP, or Eastern Province, is traditionally the Eastern Cape's provincial sporting site.
0: And so, with a head full of water polo dreams and recent glories, Thomas makes his way straight to the swimming pool.
2: He makes amazing mates through water polo. A lot of his mates are in Espen House with him. They are fit-strapping young men, passionate about their polo, can't wait to get into the polo pool. Lots of training, lots of practice. And bonding up a storm, really. And that's where he finds his niche and starts to make his close St Andrew's mates.
0: By all indications, Tom's first few weeks at Ispenhouse were among the happiest of his short life. But soon enough, the changes started.
2: We first noticed a big difference in Tom six months after he arrived at St Andrews College. He became a different child and to a certain extent both of us felt we'd lost our child. He became very private. When he went to the loo, he'd lock his bedroom door as well as his bathroom door. I found that quite odd. From being a very affectionate, loving child that all stopped. And, you know, we were a very affectionate family and lots of hugs and, and all of a sudden Tom didn't want to do that anymore.
0: Shaw comes to the same conclusion that many of us would. It must be puberty.
2: That's what we sort of wrote it down to, um, is that it was just normal behaviour to change so dramatically over a short space of time. I did find it very odd that it happened within six months of him being at college. I, I suppose I did question it at the time, but just uh, just went along with it. It got progressively worse. He became a lot more private was uncomfortable with a hug, um, almost pushing one away. The real depression started at the beginning of 2018. Can a child just change without a reason? I have my
0: theory. And so I simply must introduce you to Kenny, who is one of the people this story is about. Kenny is a teacher, but moreover, he's a sports coach. A coach that gets results, his colleagues would say. But Kenny is much more than just a sports coach. At one point, to Thomas, Kenny meant the world. At times, they seemed inseparable. And when, finally, they were separated. Well, that's the point where Thomas would start to fall apart.
1: My name is Lisa Wilkin. I'm a school social worker and I am, I think, 39 already.
0: (laughs) We are sitting in the playroom of Lisa's young son. Lisa is a social worker at a primary school in Johannesburg. She spent the past decade reporting paedophiles to law enforcement and counselling the children that suffered under the grown-ups. I asked Lisa what the warning signs are for sex abuse
1: behavior that's out of character. That's the first thing that you would notice. That's the most irritating thing in a class is when a child is not listening, when they're acting out. A child that has been previously outgoing is suddenly quiet or a child that's quiet starts being the class clown.
0: Once a teacher suspects the sexual abuse of a child, says Lisa, they have a legal responsibility to report it. In terms of South African law.
1: Any time that you suspect that a child is in a position like that, it has to be reported. The problem is that it doesn't always get reported. But even if you think a child might be exposed to inappropriate sexual materials, that is still an act of sexual violation which needs to be reported.
0: Teachers might, out of entirely decent reasons, decide to keep a child's confidence because a child disclosed something to them confidentially.
1: It's completely illegal to keep that to yourself. Teachers fall into this trap because children come and disclose and they say, you know what, but I'm scared. I'm scared mom and dad find out, I'm scared this person finds out and they hurt me. So teachers feel you've trusted me, so I'm, I'm going to keep this confidence and try and maneuver it in other ways.
0: So even if that child who is anybody under the age of 18 yes. tells the teacher, do not tell anyone, the teacher has to tell someone or they are breaking the law.
1: If you are saying, I'm going to keep this to myself and tomorrow their child goes home, or goes to school and the same thing repeats itself. You have been aware of what is happening to this child and you've been partly allowing it to happen because you've not intervened. You've been a sympathetic ear, you've been a support, but you haven't actually solved the problem.
0: I asked Lisa how the office politics work. Do you have to tell the headmaster first?
1: There are processes in schools, so as an employee you have to follow those processes. For example, you have signed a confidentiality contract. You need to be able to deal with it within the school. Whatever happens needs to be reported to the principal. The principal also has a legal obligation to report it. So if that principal doesn't report it, that would be their liability.
0: What if the school decides to deal with it internally?
1: Again, I'm saying the same thing, but I can't say it in any other way or in any more seriousness. It's completely illegal that that they do need to report it. There's no way to get around it. There's no other way to say it. it. It's, I mean, why would you not report this? Your reputation, is your reputation more important than a child's life? Whether this person is doing what they're doing in a school or whether they're doing it at a public swimming pool or at a mall or at their neighbor's house, that is not just happening in a school. It's not confined to a school property. You are in a position to do something about that. It, it's got nothing to do with the school's reputation. It's got to do with an element of society. It's a matter of perspective.
0: Let me barge in quickly for two clarifications. First, at St. Andrew's College, they often refer to themselves merely as college, and it does rub off. When I say college in this podcast, I mean St. Andrew's College. Similarly, in the water polo community, which is easier to understand than water polo itself, the sport is simply called polo. Whenever I say polo, I mean water polo. Not a single horse has been involved in this podcast. But now back to the Eastern Cape. It is April 2018, a month or so after Tom's 16th and final birthday. It's the school holiday and we are in the Kruger family home in Port Elizabeth when Tom sits his parents down.
2: The news is not good. He wants to get away from college. We said to him, is it the boarding house that's getting to you? And eventually we established that it was the boarding house.
0: Charles and his wife put their heads together. They do not want Tom to lose the chance to finish school at St. Andrews just because he does not like the hostel. And so they come up with a radical idea. They offer to sell their house in
2: Port Elizabeth and move to Grahamstown. We say to Tom, if you're not enjoying the boarding house, how would you like us to move to Grahamstown to come and be with you? And you can be a day boy at St. Andrews. He said, "Yes, I'd love to try that." So, we uh, packed up some of our goods in our house. We managed to, at the last minute, rent a house in Henry Street in Grahamstown. And Tom started to become a day boy. And so, in
0: May 2018, it is the start of the second term of St Andrew's three-term school calendar. Some private schools in South Africa follow the British system. As the boys arrive back at Ispen House. Thomas Kruger is not there, and in just one month more, an even larger departure will shake Espenhouse to its historic core. What do we know about Tom's time at Espenhouse? What exactly went on there? Much more, I would dare say, than you may want from a school that will charge you 1.6 million rand for your son's high school education including boarding, but excluding sport. In the St. Andrews yearbook, it's called The Andrian, Espen housemaster Johan Pretorius sometimes writes with unusual candor. In 2016, at the end of Tom's first year in Espen, Johan Pretorius writes that 2016 was happy, exciting and academically successful for most of the students. Quote, however, it will be remembered as a year of turmoil, conflict and instability, ...by those boys who have chosen not to be part of the team, but to rather follow their own set of rules and code of behavior, end quote. A year later, in 2017, House Master Pretorius writes that most of the New Year's intake soon proved they were a decent group. However, quote, "...there is always the odd boy who will need to be gently nudged into the new, more disciplined environment." End quote. By the time the 2018 edition of The Andrian rolls round, it contains a moving tribute to Tom. But elsewhere, the housemaster's report is quite the whitewash. No mention is made of the violent conflicts that took place inside Espenhouse's walls. Nothing is said about some notorious all-night sessions of drinking and drugs. Most resoundingly, the events of seven days in June do not even get a look in. It started on the weekend that a teacher called Kenny signed a boy out of the sanatorium. One month after the start of term, it is June 2018 and an unseasonably warm Saturday evening in Grahamstown. We are outside the depressing two-story sanatorium. A boy is spending the night there. Well, you're supposed to. But the teacher I'm calling Kenny has different ideas. A schoolboy emerges from the sanatorium and, with nervous strides, makes his way in the direction of Espenhouse. It was supposed to be just another Saturday evening in Kenny's flat. But things work out badly. And Kenny gets himself caught.
4: My name is Graham Lucas Bull. I'm 34 years old and I used to be the head of Armstrong House at St Andrews College.
0: Armstrong House is the dorm between Espen House and Steep Somerset Street. Graham Lucas Bull was the housemaster there until six months ago. One Saturday evening in June 2018, he's away for the weekend when another teacher lets him know that the boy is not where he's expected to be.
4: He says, Graham, there's something funny going on. There's something very weird. One of the students was supposed to be in his bed and he's not here. And then I got a message from the sanatorium saying, he's not here. So Graham, what do I do? So I said, you've got to find him. He manages to track him down. And what is is happening is he's been removed from the sanatorium by He has given the sanatorium the excuse that his father has given him permission to take him out of the sanatorium into his care. Which I find bizarre because that doesn't happen. He's not his housemaster. He's not his tutor. No, he's not. He's simply he's simply someone that that this student goes to for extra lessons and counselling. Apparently, what is he doing? What is he doing with this child? This is not his child. What is this adult man doing with this boy at eleven and twelve o'clock at night?
0: Graeme Lucas Bull reports the matter to Ellen Thompson.
4: We take it to the headmaster, and his instruction is get the evidence, get their phones, get the conversations, and find out exactly what is going on. And that is what we did. I get the evidence, I get hold of this boy's phone, I take screenshots of his phone. What struck me as odd is the phone conversation has only gone so far back as 48 hours. Conversation between this boy and I find alarming. The words used in that message were way more than just staff member and pupil. Things like I loved our time together this weekend. We can keep doing this. We just need to tell Bull this and do that. Bull being me.
0: Graham Lucas Bull has given me the messages and I really struggle with having to share what was said to a boy during what may have been one of his life's worst experiences. I'm not going to infringe on the kids' privacy more than I already am, and I share the following three messages from Kenny through gritted teeth in the public interest. In the first message, Kenny writes, quote, I loved the last 24 hours, but this is impacting my job. I want to talk to you every day and see you every day. We just have to be clever now. Emoji of a flexing arm. Nothing changes between us, I promise. We can still do things. You can come and visit when you say you are. End quote. Twenty five minutes later, Kenny writes his second message quote, We have to start playing a bit of a game now. When you speak to Bull, mention that I have said I will not be tutoring you anymore. Say that you feel very unhappy and alone now, if you don't mind. I have a plan. Do you trust me? End quote. The kid says, Of course I do. Right, quote. Okay, then we're on it. He will chat to you tomorrow. He's going to ask you where you go every evening, so you must say sometimes I help you with assignments. Sometimes you chat to me, and then sometimes you are playing Far Cry, or whatever that game is, with emoji of a flexing arm. End quote.
4: Yeah, and and that's when I really my 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 skin crawled at the tone of what I saw in those messages. If that was my son, and I saw those messages being sent to my son, I would be furious and incredibly disappointed at the school that has left that has allowed this to happen. But most importantly, I'd be I'd be I'd be livid with the teacher that is involved
0: for months and months now, according to evidence in our possession. Graeme Lucas-Bull has been warning and warning Alan Thompson about Kenny.
4: So I take this evidence, I take the screenshots to Alan Thompson, I hand it over and I say to him, I don't want anything to do with this. I've warned you, I've said to you, there's an issue here, you need to deal with it. I go back to my office, I take the boy's phone to check it again and he's blanked the phone. So the phone has now been wiped.
0: Headmaster Alan Thompson finally realises Kenny is a problem that must go away. He says to Kenny, we'll take disciplinary steps. Kenny says, I'm out of here. And out of there he goes. Then it is a month later. We are in Grahamstown. And the Eastern Cape's famously freezing winter has set in. Less than a kilometer away from Espenhouse, We are at the Kruger family's rented home. Charles Kruger is a night owl, and he's sitting outside on the stoop having a cigarette. It is the night that Thomas
2: disappears. At about half past two, Tom comes out the front door pushing his bicycle. And I say to him, Tom, what are you doing? He said, Dad, I can't sleep and I just need to clear my head. I'm just going to ride my bicycle around the block. Half an hour goes past... An hour goes past, an hour and a half goes past. I start to worry. I pick up my cell phone and start calling him. His phone just rings and rings and rings. Libby then comes outside and says to me, where's Tom? I said he just went for a ride on his bicycle. I'm going to go and look for him. Get in my car and I start zigzagging the streets of Gramstown looking for him. I don't know what made me do it, but I then suddenly thought to myself, I need to go and look up the mountain. I rush up the M2 onto the left-hand turn onto the dirt road, race up that dreadful road, get where Pride Rock sits just down the hill. And there I see Tom lying in the rock, dead still, lifeless.
0: Last month, in the green and rocky mountains outside Grahamstown. Producer Noctula and I go search for pride rock. So according to Google Maps, this is where it is. And I saw a rock that looks like a root marker. We parked the rental car on a windy ridge next to a steep and grassy decline that suddenly drops in the distance. Oh,
3: Jesus. My goodness.
0: Poor Noctula. Her legs are much shorter than mine. Okay, maybe not so far in. Go <laughs> My goodness, I didn't anticipate
3: this much walking.
0: I can't really quite see where this ridge is still going to, but nothing here looks like the pictures.
1: Well, nothing
3: here looks like anything. Uh, oh, shoot. So, where
1: can we venture
0: to? Well, I mean, we haven't yet followed the route the dude suggested. So what did he
1: suggest?
0: When the road forks, we take the right-hand one. Okay, let's try that. Three years earlier, in Grahamstown's Green Mountains, Shell Kruger finds
2: Thomas. Walking over to him, and as I arrive, he jumps up. And I got the fright of my life. We hug and cry. And I said, Tom, we are going back to Port Elizabeth. I said to my boy, if you're so upset, you don't ever have to go to school again. If there's too much pressure on you, you don't ever have to go to school again. Take a break. Um, yeah, that was the most incredibly emotional evening for me down at, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it struck t- to the core of my being. Because I thought I'd actually found him dead on a on a, at a rock that was him and his favourite place in Grahamstown. It is a few days after
0: Pshawl found Tom at Pride Rock. We are back in Port Elizabeth in another hastily rented Kruger family home. Thomas tries to take a break, but his WhatsApp keeps on pinging, and pinging. Kenny is not yet done with Thomas Kruger. Then, early one afternoon, Thomas is in the mall. At 12.55pm, he receives a WhatsApp from Kenny. It reads, Can you do me a favour? I have left a Zara packet on your bed. Don't look inside, please. Thomas replies, Are you at my house, sir? Minutes later, Kenny writes, You can only open it next week. It's nothing big. It's just something for my people. Last month, in the green and very rocky mountains outside Grahamstown, Noctula and I Park. On another precipitous ridge i think it's there there it is i'm sure that's it i mean because that's there's like a rock overhanging there yes this is it i've seen the pictures i just in my mind it was so much bigger
1: and less windy
0: <laughs> i don't know if it was less windy in my mind but it was bigger
3: you know what this rock looks like in lion king when
0: they no, I mean, license when they present Pumba. simba, simba the favorite spot of Tom Kruger, which, I mean, we are out in the middle of nowhere, like, you know, half an hour from Grahamstown. For a teacher and a pupil to be coming here alone, it is, it is, it's not appropriate. Also, if you came here and you were driven by a teacher or by an adult, you would have no way to get back by yourself without, I mean, a considerable walk back into town. Now it is August 2018 in the Eastern Cape, two months after Kenny left St. Andrews and one month after Tom was found on Pride Rock. By this point, the contents of the Zara packet have become a source of great conflict between Thomas Kruger and Kenny. Long story short, inside the Zara packet are what Thomas and Kenny refer to as chocolates. Thomas has been away from St. Andrews for a month But Kenny wants him to go back to Grahamstown, sneak into a number of different dormitories, and leave the chocolates and the select boys' pillows. Finally, Tom lets Kenny know that he's in Grahamstown. Promptly, Kenny sends a voice note, inquiring about Tom's well-being and demanding a plan for chocolate distribution. Yeah,
3: Tom, it's all good, thank you. I'm being prepared for i first team water butter trials tomorrow.
0: That's the voice of David McKenzie, former deputy housemaster of Espenhouse. and the man whom I briefly called Kenny. And these poor kids are, are going to have to do a fitness
3: test as well, so they're going to ship themselves, as per usual. Uh, what are you doing in Grahamstown? Um, how long are you there for? Please tell me you can
0: distribute those, those chocolates to, to our little to Mikey's. Mikey's is Afrikaans for little friends. Um, But now David Mackenzie is demanding to know a decision that Thomas has not yet made. Have you fetched yourself from the school yet?
3: Are you staying at St Andrews? What are you doing? Tell me your life story now.
0: Now here's Thomas responding to David Mackenzie, who was Tom's favorite teacher and also his water polo coach.
2: Also, um, yeah, I'm in Grahamstown. I'm here until like Monday, I think or Tuesday. i um, just here. Yeah, I don't even know why we're here because oh, because they're fumigating our house, so we can't be in the house. Um, yeah, I'm gonna distribute the chocolates. Uh, I looked at them now. I think I know all of them. Um, Thomas is obviously me. Um,
0: There's a rummaging eight, around uh, and a reading of names and nicknames, be, including one is, I should have noticed earlier.
2: And um, I don't know if it's alright, but I think so.
0: And here again is David McKenzie, who is also a maths teacher.
3: Hey, Tomáš. um you are almost 100% right.
0: He's not nearly 100% correct. And Bacon is
3: obviously you and he is. Um. So yeah, shit, Tom. Make up your mind. I want to know what you're doing with it. i fuck. I want to know what you're doing in your life, please, so I can sleep at night. Or maybe you feel much better knowing that you are al- alive and your brain isn't dying. So give me information ASAP. Um, enjoy, Gramps, while you're there. When are you going to do the distribution, boss?
0: These voice notes were sent two months after Mackenzie left St. Andrews College for breaking a boy out of the sanatorium. We'll get to his new career in a moment. But first, let's look at the final week at college. By the end of the week, Headmaster Alan Thompson sends an email to staff to announce the dramatic events of the previous weekend. He writes three paragraphs, the tone of which seems to suggest that this matter is over and done with. Dear colleagues, I am sorry to have to report that I initiated disciplinary procedures against Mr. David McKenzie and that he has resigned from his position as Deputy Housemaster in Espen and from all other positions at college. The charges result from a series of incidents that occurred over the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of June 2018 where Mr. McKenzie allegedly facilitated the bunking out of a boy from the sanatorium and was allegedly complicit in a situation where that boy and another boy Broke College and Espen House rules. I have absolute faith in the structures in place in Espen. This action has been taken to ensure that the standards of pastoral care are not compromised. I have appointed Mr. Carl Bradfield as acting deputy housemaster with immediate effect. I have absolute confidence that Carl's knowledge of St. Andrew's College and the boarding environment, as well as his superb manner with the boys, will ensure that Espen continues to flourish in this period of change. Thank you, Alan Thompson, Headmaster. David McKenzie does not teach or coach again until one month later. That's when back up he pops to teach and to coach water polo at the Jewel of Central South Africa. Because you can't make this stuff up. Our rolling scandal rolls inland. To Grey College in Bloemfontein. And a rhythm school in Gauteng. Next time, on my only story. Identifying David McKenzie today is not a decision we have taken lightly, but we have reams of evidence that point to deeply questionable conduct on the part of David McKenzie on the campus of St. Andrew's College. The night with the sanatorium was hardly unique. We'll be setting out much more evidence in this podcast. It also seems clear to us that McKenzie's conduct was brought to the attention of a number of people who were in a position to take action, but did not. David McKenzie is still teaching today. Our lawyers have reviewed this evidence and agree that David McKenzie may be identified in the public interest. Three days ago, News24 provided David McKenzie with 59 detailed questions. Through his lawyer, McKenzie declined to answer any of the questions, although he did threaten to sue us if we identified him. Headmaster Alan Thompson responded to more than 40 detailed questions he received three days ago. In his reply which you can read in full on news24.com thompson says that parents quote raised concerns and dissatisfaction in regard to mr mckenzie during 2017 and a full inquiry was conducted by an independent hr consultant end quote he quotes from the hr report which states that quote there is no shred of evidence whatsoever despite certain insinuations during the various interviews that there is any possibility of a sexual or otherwise inappropriate relationship, end quote. Nevertheless, says Alan Thompson, he, quote, issued a warning to Mr. Mackenzie, and there were no further complaints about Mr. McKenzie until an incident which occurred on the weekend of the 2nd of June, 2018, end quote. Thompson added that St. Andrew's, quote, is not afraid of the truth and should new evidence emerge, college will work with the authorities to ensure that justice is served end quote once again you can read Thompson's full response on news24.com or follow the link from myonlystory.org yesterday Gray College in Bloemfontein confirmed to News24 that David McKenzie worked there from quote during or about July 2018 end quote he ended up teaching and coaching there for a year and eight months through his lawyers, Grey College said it, quote, does not have any knowledge of Mr. Mackenzie's abrupt resignation from St. Andrews College and or the reason for the abrupt resignation, other than knowing he left the employee of St. Andrews College, end quote. But to me, one of the answers from Grey College really jumps out. We asked what background checks the school conducted before appointing McKenzie the month after he left St. Andrews. The school says, Quote, It was not deemed necessary to conduct any background checks, and it was not done. Mr. Mackenzie provided our client with his CV, which also included his history of former employment. Mr. Mackenzie was appointed by the school governing body on the basis of his CV, and upon recommendation by a former acquaintance already employed by Gray College Primary School. End quote. Finally, Brigadier Temlin Kosi Kinana told News24 that it was alleged that Thomas Kruger quote, was having a relationship with a school employee and a case of supply or display of child pornography was opened for further investigation. After a thorough investigation, the case was closed due to insufficient evidence, end quote. Without sight of the police investigation and in our view, it left many questions unanswered. We'll talk more about this another time. More reactions from Redham and many others on news24.com or via myonlystory.org. It's been a crazy week since the start of My Only Stories new season. Thank you for the tip-offs and the information and the damning tales from the Water Polo Fraternity. This live investigation is taking shape, but you can continue to contact me completely confidentially at myonlystory.org. If you want to avoid spoilers, the podcast is out on Thursday at 5 a.m. South African time. MyOnlyStory.org is also the place to go for bonus materials and loads of resources about recovering from sexual abuse. My Only Story is written and edited by me, Dion Wiggett. The executive producer is Alison Pope. The associate producer is Noctula Magnati. And the sound engineer is Sean Jeffries. The original score is by Charles-Johann Lingenfelder. Our artwork is by Carla Kriese. Additional reporting by News24's Sisulna and Their production manager is Charlene Ruert, and their editor-in-chief, Adrian Basson, is our editorial advisor. Special thanks to Sheldon Marias and Paul Abadife. Whoever you are, please continue sending me your information and your tip-offs. You can contact me completely confidentially at MyOnlyStory.org or message us on WhatsApp or Telegram on 071-382-7030. MyOnlyStory.org is also the place to go for bonus materials and loads of resources about recovering from sexual abuse. At MyOnlyStory.org, there are loads of links to people to talk to, depending on where you are in the world. If you're in South Africa, you can always, always phone SADAG, on 0800-456-789. It's sequential and easy to remember. 0800-456-789. My Only Story is out every Thursday at 5 a.m. South African time. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow the developments all week long at news24.com. This project was supported by Truth First and is made possible by contributions from people like you. This has been a co-production of the My Only Story non-profit company and News24.